Thanks for listening to Draw Near with Fred and Kara. And we are in the same room. For the first time. Since May. Yes. Yeah. It's been a long time, Kara. Yeah. So we're, I feel like I always say that. We're really excited for today's topic. That's because we are. Yeah, we, act, we really are. <laughs> not that we're not like excited about other topics yeah. in the past, but like. We're actually in the same room again. Yes, we're excited for this one because we're in the same room and this is going to be a full episode with both Fred and I and we're talking about a topic that who would not be excited about talking about, but we're not going to tell you what it is yet because we have several things that we want to update you on that we're also really excited about. (laughs) I'll find a new word. It's fine. Um, And I feel like this is kind of, was it in the um, why draw near or why do they have a podcast episode where we kind of shared our goals for what we really see this becoming yes i feel like some of these things are like those goals coming about yeah finally coming to fruition yeah yeah yeah. so we're really excited um one of those things is the i believe in love book study which Mm -hmm. we have been talking about a lot we have a whole episode about that book and saint therese and our love for her and what she's done in our life so do you want to tell them a little yeah. bit about... So the book study will actually be on our friends at sushipe.co. If you're not familiar, it's... Uh, I'll just spell it real quick. S-U-S-C-I-P-E.co. I did it. That was good. Sushipe. He was thinking really hard. <laughs> I was. I'm like picturing the letters yeah. in my head. Um, but it's a great platform for disciples who want to uh, share the journey together, grow in holiness together and share their experience of growing with the Lord. So I encourage you to check it out. We'll leave a link in the show notes. But they, we've, they're friends of ours, and we, they'll be hosting mm-hmm. our, our, our book study, I believe. We'll be love. hosting, yeah. but their platform will be hosting. Right, yeah. right. So we'll have some more information coming toward the end of the week yeah. on that. I think it's uh, a really cool collaboration because one of the goals that we really saw with Draw Near was that it's not just a website. But it is a community. Yes. And yeah. it's a place where people can come and like when we when we have our prayer request tab or our contact us tab, like we actually want you guys to do that. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so like to collaborate with uh, our friends at Sushipe is really cool. And yeah. to like actually make that a community. Yeah. Very excited about that. So yeah, sushipe.co. Yes. So you'll sign up and then that book study will start in November, the end of November. Um, and it's a 10 conference or 10 chapter book so um, if you are interested at all uh, you have to obviously get the book I believe in love which you'll find linked in the show notes as well yes which we can link for you and then um, obviously go on to sushi pay and and join the study that'll start in November so every week there'll be a new audio about a Fred and I talking about each conference Mm -hmm. and it'll be a shorter one it won't be like a full full draw near episode or anything Um, and then about halfway through, we'll do a live with everybody who's in the study. And then at the end, we'll do another live video with everyone who's in the study. So it is very interactive. And then there's that community platform. So we'll all be like talking about the discussion questions each week together with each yeah, other. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Actually I am too. being live with folks going through the study. That's yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah. So very cool. If you have any questions at all about it, don't hesitate to reach out to us either on Facebook or the the contact us page on our website and we'll be happy to answer any questions. Or if you're brave enough, our new Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you promoting Twitter. Yeah. We avoided it for so long, Kara, but now you can find us on Twitter as well at Fred and Kara. Easily easy to remember. Nice. So, yeah. um, so what else do we have going on? Well, we are launching a new show yes which i don't know so it's not a new show to be clear to replace draw near it's in addition to draw uh-huh. near 
it will it's be... only it's only going to be a year long it's yeah. like a series i guess yeah so it'll be a year-long series uh weekly on the eucharist mm-hmm. uh in it kind of rooted in the eucharistic revival that the church uh is is in america especially is moving toward uh looking at the eucharist and right. the awesomeness that it is and how what that has to do with god's love and how has our encounter with the Eucharist changed our lives? And that's a question we're going to be looking at a lot throughout the series. So it'll be every week for a year, launching January 10th. Mm-hmm. We will have a lot more details about that coming soon. Yeah. I think it'll be really, um, really interesting and exciting. When I first heard about Euchar- the Eucharistic Revival, my mind just kind of went a little nuts with like, oh, people need to hear about this. We could do something like this. And <laughs> and then when we got asked to do the um, the series, it was like all of that, that the, that the Lord just kind of like plopped into my brain right. had a use. That's what that was. Yeah, for. yeah. It like yeah. had had something to then go to. So I think it'll be really awesome. There's a lot that there's a lot that you can dive into spiritually with the Eucharist, but a lot scripturally, which, you know, I'm going to love. Right. And then um, just, yeah, talking about people's experience and encounter. That's one of the questions actually, when we did, do you remember doing that training? Like we started with that question, how has mm-hmm. your encounter in the Eucharist changed your life? And it was like a 40 minute introduction of everyone who was there because everyone was sharing their encounters with the Eucharist. Right. And like, I remember we had one of our people who was, who was crying. Like it was so beautiful. Right. Which made everybody else cry. Yes. Yeah. It was so beautiful. So, uh, I, I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Did you see my new word very much looking yeah, forward to it? Instead of excited. <laughs> I was like thinking, I was like, I can't say go. very excited. Um, uh, looking forward to that because I think it will, it'll really dive deeper into for sure. Like what, yeah. what the Eucharist means yep. to so many people. And we'll be updating you more on that as we move forward. Um, if by chance you would have any interest in helping coming alongside us to make that a possibility, you can go to our website, drawnear.me, and click the support button mm-hmm. at the top right corner there. Yes. Um, that would help us a lot to get this thing moving. So yeah. enough commercials, Kara. <laughs> Should we dive into that topic you said you were excited about at yes. the beginning? Yes. Um, so this episode... We are going to talk about the word reckless and how it is associated to the love of God. Um, So before we really kind of talk about it, I'm curious, Fred, when you hear the word reckless, what does that mean? I think ordinarily we think of not being considerate, not not counting the cost, not thinking of the ramifications of your behavior. Um maybe somewhat self-destructive yeah dangerous yeah dangerous um you're just all in on whatever that thing is that you're all in on and not thinking about anything else yeah so it kind of has more negative connotations typically yeah, yeah like if you think of reckless driving right you're putting everyone else in danger right you might be having fun doing it <laughs> but sure but yeah. you're putting everyone else in danger i looked it up on google because uh, what better place to find the definition <laughs> of something than Google? The almighty Google. Yeah. And it says the definition of reckless is a person or their actions without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. So why are we talking about this? Um, it came up this summer where we got the opportunity to lead worship. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with the song Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. And it's a very beautiful song. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorites, and it mm-hmm. was by far my favorite during that worship. That was, it was like 
It was beautiful. Bomb. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it was during the um, Eucharistic procession where the priest like was walking around. Mm-hmm. I wish Shout we... out to Paul Ching. He yeah. played piano for us. Yep. And and my brother. We got it. Right. Our... Yep. Nate. Yep. <laughs> he yep. was drums. Yep. Can't forget Nate. <laughs> Can't forget Nate. Um, so, yeah, it was very, very fun to play and like really enter into that song. But it got Fred and I thinking about that. And I think I read something from my journal about the song and like, cause I had been listening to it and God speaks a lot through music sometimes. And I had been listening to it and like, I associated it that one time that I was listening to it. It was like, God kind of showed me a little bit in the Eucharist, like Mm -hmm. how that song speaks into the Eucharist. And we can talk about that a little bit more later, but I shared that during adoration. And then Fred and I really got into this conversation. Like people are angry with Corey for calling God reckless. Mm -hmm. Do you remember why? Like we talked about that and yeah, that's the question. Like, um, and I don't know if it's so much of a debate now, but I I remember it, remember it being a debate. Like, is God reckless in his love? Yeah. You know, and that's the question we're going to answer. Is God's love reckless? And if it is how, and what does that reckless love speak to us? Yeah, we had this whole conversation basically about that. Like, was God his love reckless? And so I want to be kind of clear. It's not that God himself is a reckless God. Right. Um, Because especially thinking of the definition, like we have kind of negative connotations of the Mm -hmm. word reckless. But when you think about it, especially when it says like not counting the consequence or not, um, it says without caring about the consequence of an action. So God himself cares about the consequence he cares about you as a like that's who god is everything he does is is for care of you but when you think of it not god as reckless but his love as reckless like he doesn't care what happens to himself he is going to give you every bit of his love Mm -hmm. so i totally see why it could associate with his love and Mm -hmm. i feel like you see it like you see it in how he interacts with us you know yeah, I mean, that's that scripture that we've quoted on the show many times. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And what is that joy? It's you. It's right. you listening. And I don't know what, no greater love has a man than this, than he lay down his life for a friend. You know, it's that kind of not thinking of the consequences that we see demonstrated in that sense. It is a reckless love. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you say that, like, you don't think of the consequences, a lot of the times that's like an outward thing. Like, I don't care about the consequences it has for you, Fred. Right. I'm going to continue to do it, which that's not what we're talking about. I feel right. like it's more of you know, he didn't care about the consequence for himself. Right. Like he's going to lay his life down for his friend. Yes. He's going to go and die on a cross. Like that's his own consequence. Yeah. He cares very much what the consequences for all of us and it's salvation. Right. Yeah. And it was that way from the beginning. I yeah. think that's the thing that it's kind of mind blowing. Where do we see God's love as reckless in Scripture? At the very beginning, like even at the beginning in creation, in creation you see a, a, a recklessness of sort. Even with the the creation of the angels, you know, we've talked about this before on our spiritual warfare episodes mm-hmm. that we did when we very first started. Mm-hmm. Kara, <laughs> that was like our first episode. It was, yeah. <laughs> but the idea that God's love was so much that He would become a man. You know, some of the angels took issue with that, mm-hmm. um, that why should they have to bow mm-hmm. to someone lower than them as a, a human being? And yet God's love was so much that he stuck to that. Right. That's what he wanted. Right. Even if it meant 
some of the angels were going to rebel, even if it meant man would choose against him in the garden. Mm -hmm. That was his plan. And ultimately, he knew what was best. So in a way, he is thinking about the consequences yeah. from the very beginning because he knows what's best. He, He's all-knowing. But they're all for the good. Yeah, but they're all for the good, and there's mm -hmm. nothing that's going to sway him from that loving plan. Right. We mentioned that it started kind of with that song, Reckless Love. That's actually how it starts, is with creation. Like the the very verse one, the lyrics are... Um, before I spoke a word. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah that's Before true. I spoke that a word, is. you were singing over me. Mm -hmm. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. So it... Yeah, I'm, that's true. It walks yeah. through kind of creation and tying it to wow, recklessness. That, that's good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's so good, right? Yeah, that, that, that's Mark Hart always says says this, but, you know, um, God loved the idea of you so mm -hmm. much that he made that idea a reality and gave you life. And then you, you think about what we do with the life that God gives us. And I think you see a recklessness in that as well, in that God knows our faults. He knows our failings. He knows where we're going to fall short. Yeah. And yet he doesn't stop pursuing us at any point. I mean, that's the story of scripture. All of salvation history really kind of is proving God's recklessness in his love for us. Yeah. Like how much he loves us, how serious he take it, takes it, not counting the cost. You see scripture, like Israel referred to as an adulterous right. bride, bride. Mm -hmm. and yet he wants to woo her back. Mm -hmm. You see that over and over again in Hosea in particular. That's reckless. It is reckless. Like who of us, in a natural sense, if our spouse was unfaithful, yep. would continue to pursue them and want them back? Yep. You know, there wouldn't be that kind of... Right. Or Not like typically. No, there wouldn't. Or like as you're, as if you have a friend who's like, you know, somebody's dishonest with them or somebody is unfaithful to them, like that's us with God. Um, I, I was thinking about those lyrics with reckless love. And I think um, the lyrics say, like, when I was your foe, still your love fought for me. Uh, I feel like that's not the case. Like, who are we going to fight for when they're our enemy, right? Like, who are we going right. to continue to go after and chase down when they walk away from us? Mm -hmm. If you have to chase somebody, don't we always say to people like, oh, they don't deserve you. Right. Like, you shouldn't have to chase them. Like, you know right. what I mean? So yeah. to us, it would be reckless to go after somebody who hurts you. Right. But to God... Like, that's why his love is reckless. Because, mm. yeah, it is reckless to go after somebody who continually walks away with, from you and hurts you. Right. But he's going to do it anyways, no matter the cost, even if it means, like, he's going to be hurt yeah. or you're going to deny him. Yeah, Kara, I'm thinking of the parable of the lost sheep. And yes, you, you talk about this all yeah. the time. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome to share a little more, but the idea of leaving your 99 sheep to yeah. go get one that wanders away. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's reckless. That is a bit reckless. It is yeah. like, okay, so in, in scripture, when you have a parable, um, I always talk about this. I don't know if I've shared about, I've shared it on here, but this is kind of a soapbox for, thing for me. Like a lot of times people will tell stories and we do this all the time too. We, mm -hmm. we'll t we tell testimonies and stuff, but it's always like to the aid of a greater point. But like if somebody's telling a story or in a homily, if it's just a story and there's no explanation or teaching, it's very hard for people to know specifically like what is the message you're trying to get across because in scripture parables were actually a consequence of like I think it's right before Jesus starts teaching in parables they accuse him of casting out demons 
by the power of the devil. Mm -hmm. And so it's like parables are now a consequence of that. So it's not meant to be like, oh, he's like using cute stories now. It's meant to veil his teaching so that we have to try and, and like, you know, be one with him or be close to him to understand it. Even his apostles struggled and he's like, do you still not understand the teachings? (laughs) And he had to kind of unpack it for them. Um, And so with the parables, like there's always um, a twist. And when you, when you notice the twist, like that's kind of the key to understanding that particular parable. So I really like the parable of the lost sheep because the twist is he's talking to Pharisees uh, and scribes. And he's like, who among you would not leave the 99 and go after the one? And the answer is none of them would leave the 99 and go after the one. And that's the twist because he's saying like, I am the shepherd that would, I'm the good shepherd that would leave the 99 and go after the one. Because if you have one sheep that wanders off, like you would not leave your livelihood, 99% of the rest of your livelihood to go and do that. Sheep were not very smart at all. Uh, Like, they were not smart. They would wander into water and their whole coat would fill up and they would drown because they'd be heavy with water. Like, like when he calls us sheep, he's like, my, my sheep are like, or uh, my people are like sheep without a shepherd. That's not a compliment. Like sometimes we're stupid. Are we not? It sounds like something I would do to be honest. I know, I know, right? (laughs) You have the fur on your face. It'll just fill up with water. water. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a compliment, but like in the lost sheep parable, that's what he is saying. He's saying, I would leave the 99. I would leave, you know, my livelihood to go after the one lost sheep. And that is reckless mm-hmm. for a shepherd to do that. That is reckless, but that is his love. So in, in that song, the reckless love, it says, you know, um, leave the 99. It's referencing this parable. It's so beautiful because that's such a good example in the gospels of what his love looks like and how it's reckless. Right. And in that you see Romans five eight. What does Romans five eight say? Well, for one thing, it's a pillar of the gospel message itself, but it says God loves God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. So while we were in our wanderings, while we were in the midst of sin, God pours out his love in that way at the cost of his own life and obviously that there is a in a sense a recklessness in that that, that god's love is it doesn't count the co- right. cost in the sense of what does what does paul say in first corinthians love love does not brood over injury hmm. that's so first corinthians 13 gives all these descriptions of what love is scripture tells mm-hmm. us love is patient love is kind y- yep yep, yep. Uh, scripture tells us that God is love. Mm-hmm. What does love look like? What does God look like? He doesn't brood over injury. Mm-hmm. Again, demonstrating some of that recklessness. God is not, his love is such that he's not, he's more moved with compassion and mercy toward our weakness and failure than he is. Yeah. The more human response of, you know, we cut, oh, that's enough. <laughs> you know, right. he keeps giving. He keeps giving and giving and loving and wanting us wanting to woo us back to himself that seems reckless yeah you know that kind of love like it's an unconditional love right like you said he he keeps giving and i feel like um i kind of talk about this sometimes when um talking about relationships with god and relationships with other people like if god is perfect and he loves us perfectly and yet how often do so many of us struggle with our relationship with god Mm. and yet half of the party, 50% of the the relationship 
is a perfect love. Right. But we still struggle with it. Like, how can we then expect any of our relationships in this life to be without struggle and to be 100% perfect? Because if my love's imperfect, my husband's love's imperfect, my kid's love's imperfect, because we're all imperfect humans, Mm -hmm. and yet I expect so much from them. But to look at my relationship with God and be like, this relationship struggles too. Like, we go through difficulties. But he loves me perfectly. Like, how can... You know what? Do you understand what I mean? Like, how can I expect one to be so easy mm-hmm. in this life and my relationship with God, like I'm okay that it's, it's hard. Right. Be like, I'm okay working at it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And like he loves us unconditionally and we're called to give that love back. And yet one is improved by the other. Like the more you receive God's love and the more you give that love back to him, the more pu- perfectly you can love right. everyone else in your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To say that love is unconditional, I don't feel like we always like fully grasp what that means. You know, like it's the whole I'm unfaithful and he woos me back. I turn away from him and he pursues me like he Mm -hmm. I don't remember what book it was in. Um, Oh, okay. So I'm reading this book. It's called Awakening Love. It's really, really good. It's like a personal retreat on Song of Songs. And it starts with the first chapter of Song of Songs. And it talks about how like this bride is talking as if her bridegroom is far away. And then within an instant, like within one sentence, she's talking directly to him. And he basically, the author of this book basically says like, it's not like she was calling to him and he came. He was always standing right next to her. But when she reached out, she realized he was right there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. And that's God. Like that's God with us. He like he loves us in everything, but he's always with us. Right. Like we don't have to go and seek him out. He's literally always with us. Right. And that I feel like that is what is so reckless. Yeah, like how often yeah. are we just, I mean, this is just me, but I'm like embarrassed of half the, half the things that I do every day or say, or like, <laughs> man, I was really impatient or with my kids or, you know, whatever it might be. It's like, Oh God saw that. Cause he's with me all the time, <laughs> know, right. but he loves us in that even. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's the hard thing with this Kara is we've all seen the picture of the Lord knocking on the door, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and there's no handle on the outside for him to open it up. Right. And of course, the analogy is there. We You have to let God in. Mm-hmm. You have to let his love in. You have to let him in. And I've found that the longer I've been with Christ, I think there are many areas in which I have opened that door. But there's also many doors that I've closed. Oh, yeah. That I've sure. nailed shut, mm-hmm. that I've boarded up, and I'm trying to keep him out. And yet he keeps knocking, mm-hmm. keeps knocking on those doors trying to come in because he wants to love me like he's not moved by the fact that I've walled him out right in those areas of my life and again the words of the song come back here (laughs) the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of God it chases me down fights till I'm found leaves the 99 as you said I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it still you give yourself away Mm -hmm. there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me there's no wall you won't kick down no lie you won't tear down Mm -hmm. coming after me I know in my own life and you know over our episodes I haven't shared a lot of my testimony I know you've asked me to many times I know listeners have asked me to but 
I see a lot of my own life in that, mm-hmm. you know, that despite the circumstances, despite the many things that I regret looking mm-hmm. back to, like, wow, I was stupid. You right. know, how did I, how could I have done that to you, Lord? He didn't give up. Mm-hmm. He never gave up on me. Like he, he made me for that greatness, just like he makes everybody listening for greatness. And he was still there, despite the fact that it was my hand on the whip mm-hmm. at the scourging. Yeah. Despite the fact that it was my hand hammering the nails into him, into him on the cross, because mm-hmm. that's a reality. He still says, forgive him. He knows not what he does. Yeah. And, you know, he continues to love like that. Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I reject him, and he keeps coming back for more. Doesn't it just make you want to be like, why me? Like looking at all those things. Yeah, it's it's overwhelming to think about that, you know. And I think about some, you know, my, I'd say my teenage years and into early adulthood where I was really running from the Lord, very much running from him. But also at the same same time, it's like I had a sense that he was close, Mm -hmm. and I wanted him. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, like there was this weird fight that I, I don't understand like what that was about. Yeah. Like I was trying to run away, but also pursue him <laughs> and receive him at the same time. And I, I don't understand that. And maybe, maybe people listening, you had similar experiences, but I look back and I think despite how I behaved, despite the things I said, despite the things I, I did, Lord, you were right there wanting to receive me, wanting to pour your love out into my heart. And I don't know, that knowing the person I was mm-hmm. then, yeah, it just seems so reckless. So are you going to share those stories? Who were you? <laughs> Who was I? Yeah, you're, yeah. you're like, I know I haven't shared all my testimony. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to make you that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I knew you'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know where to begin with that. I, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think... Again, going growing up with a very difficult family life and complicated, and you know, I, I like many people, I turned to drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. trying to cope with that. That was how I coped. And the strange thing was, in that process, I think I was trying to find the Lord mm-hmm. in that. You know, I remember there was this beautiful church right across the street, and I always used to like look at that and and be moved. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lord was trying to do some wooing in there. Yeah. But I also remember like being angry and, and throwing snowballs at the beautiful, <laughs> you know, stained glass windows. And, and I'm not going to lie, urinating mm-hmm. on the church mm-hmm. after too much to drink. That's like a father stew moment. Yeah. When he went and punched that <laughs> statue. Yeah. Yeah. When I say I Id- identify that with that movie, mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I look back on that moment like... <laughs> I love you, and yet at one time, I relieved myself all over you. Right, (laughs) right. How many times I've blasphemed your name, you know, in my former life. And even today, like, how much I don't live up to being, I'm certainly not worthy of that love. We we pray that (laughs) every every time we go to Mass, you know, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Right. But only say the word and my soul shall be healed. I was just thinking, like, how many people in scripture, though, is that their story? Like, right. they've blasphemed, they've, yeah. you know, persecuted, whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, I just, I think of that and 
it's just hard mm-hmm. to know like in the midst of all my sufferings both the things i endured but also also in the midst of how i treated the lord mm-hmm. he was still there loving me i feel you like know? you're kind of an example of reckless love in both senses like when you are all in on something you're all in on it whether it's being a heathen <laughs> right and that's reckless <coughs> in the true mm-hmm. sense of the word or post conversion like being all in on loving god and loving loving other people to the point of recklessness because you don't care what it means for you right yeah like i feel like you're a really good example of that well thank you yeah i i, I think that's I guess those who have been forgiven much mm-hmm. love much. And right. I think that scripture really resonates with me hmm. um, a lot. I, I think some of the experience, of, this has been a theme for this year, I think, for me too. As you remember, my Holy Week was right. the that Lord. That kind of tree up. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Like like this whole, uh, what was the line from the song? There's no lie you won't tear down. Mm-hmm. No wall you won't kick down. Mm-hmm. My holy week was that. Mm-hmm. And it was the the Lord showing me you won't receive my love because of your experience. I'm trying to love you in a more profound way. But because of your experience, you put up walls mm-hmm. where you push people away. Right. When when there's love there, you push them away cuz you've been hurt so much by those you love. And Kara, you were one of those people mm-hmm. in a way too. Right. You know, and he really had to tear that lie down to help me see uh, you can trust me. Right. You know, let me love you the way I want to love you. And don't be afraid to be hurt in loving others. Mm-hmm. In fact, when you're hurt, when love isn't reciprocated, the way you love others. You have a big heart. I've given you a big heart to love. Mm -hmm. You're easily hurt when it's not reciprocated back. Right. That you're even more like me. Right. Like that is a way I can identify with the Lord. So that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, isn't that God? Yeah. So let me love you. And, and I saw in that kind of a, in a way where the Lord was asking me as a disciple to be reckless mm-hmm. in my love for others as well. Yeah. So that's another dynamic here. Right. Like if we're called to follow Christ, we're called to a reckless love. love one another as I have loved you. Yeah. And by this, the world w- will know that you are my disciples. Right. The word he uses there is agape, mm-hmm. which is that total self-giving, laying it all out there, not counting the cost. Unconditional. Love your enemies as I have loved you, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, that's reckless, but that's what we're all called to. Mm-hmm. Isn't that such a cool image? I like that line. No wall you won't kick down. Cause you're talking about that image of like the door, right. but there's no doorknob. Right. It's like, <laughs> yes, it takes us to open it. It really does. Like yeah. we have to give him a crack in the hardened heart for him to enter. Right. But it's like, all right, fine. You're not going to open it. I'm just going <laughs> to kick this wall down. I'm coming yeah. in. Well, I have no doubt that you know, my guardian angel's there with a yeah. crowbar. Yeah. Like, like prying, prying open those the things door. off there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, is doing some of that work as well. For sure. Yeah. I relate a lot to that. Um, like, I even shared, I think I shared this in the in a blog post. So you know about this, Fred. But that whole, like, you know, you put walls around your heart. I did that, like, in a, such a real way. Yeah. Um, I think just to protect myself and 
like I, I literally, I'll, I'll link the blog if anyone kind of wants to read more about it, I, I suppose. But, um, you tell me I'm terrible at sharing my blogs. I think it's, I think that's I lo- the thing I, though. Like it's yeah, the vulnerability yeah. of my blogs that yep. I'm like, mm, and that, maybe I won't that's share one of one. my favorites that you've written actually. Yeah. Well, I will link it. Um, but basically I just like, I told God, like, here's my heart. I want you to have my heart, but it wasn't in this like selfless, you know, Christian way where I'm like, God, you have it. You have all me, you have my heart, you know, all this. It was like here chucking my heart at him, like, <laughs> Fine, take it. I take don't it. want it. Yeah. That was kind of how it was. And, um, and just like it got locked away and I don't have the quote in front of me, but it's in the blog if you want to want to read it. But it was like this CS Lewis quote that kind of shocked my heart back to life. Um, because everything he said was what I felt like. And it, it, he basically said like, it, you can lock your heart away, but it's going to die. Mm-hmm. It's going to, and it's going to become irredeemable. Like if you let your heart die, it will be irredeemable. Mm-hmm. And so such a beautiful quote, um, to go with such a raw image that I had of like locking it away in a cave, like yeah. surrounded by guards. So no one could come, come at it. Right. And it's taken a lot. And quite frankly, I'm still kind of working with that, like knocking that down and letting mm-hmm. people love me well, because like you said, like that is what we are truly called to, to a reckless love. Because mm-hmm. the reason I did that was I just didn't want to get hurt anymore. Yeah. But a reckless love is loving without counting that cost for yourself, without worrying about being hurt, but loving mm-hmm. how we're called to love, which is, a love like God. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's, we're created by love for love for to love. love. Uh, yeah. And we're made for this reckless love. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you point that out. Cause I feel like I said, this has been a journey of mine for this past year, but I guess really mm-hmm. it's been for both of us. Yeah. I mean, this whole process kind of started it's mm-hmm. how our year started. Yeah. And it's a process as, as two besties, right. You know, kind of serving the Lord together, uh, with our families. Yeah we've been going through that process together. I know. I, th- I feel like, um, I didn't really catch on to it as quickly. Cause you said like, he kind of tore you apart during Lent. And I don't know if I've actually shared this, but BJ and I were just having this conversation like a week and a half ago or something. And I just said like, I'm not very good at letting people love me well. And like, I almost get not defensive, but I almost mm-hmm. get like irritable or put up a wall when mm-hmm. I feel like mm, they're loving me too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I like felt God show me that, mm-hmm. um, this past year or this past, these past couple months. And he just straight up said like, Carrie, you're not very good at, at letting me love you. You need to let me love you. And it wasn't just about him. It was just about everybody. Yeah. And I think that's so true because if I can't let him love me, um, it's, I think it's, is it first John? that talks about the virtues like love is the greatest. I might not be quoting the right, the right passage, but where it's talking about faith, hope and love. And it says of these love That's is the greatest. First Corinthians 12 or 13. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if I wasn't even letting him love me well, mm. if love is the greatest. Like I'm not going to be able to give that back to people and to love other people. Well, right. at the end, how are we judged by how we love, by how we love yeah. in the end? The only thing that matters is love. The only thing that remains is love. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, too, because we hear that phrase, you can't take it with you. Mm-hmm. You know, in our things in the earth, we can't take it with us. Yeah, sure. That's true. Yeah. I love board games. I can't take them with me. <laughs> How do you know? Maybe in heaven yeah. you're going to be sitting the, around. I suspect St. Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> if you need board games to be happy in heaven, they'll be there. <laughs> so they'll probably be there. But um, there is one thing you can take with you. 
in the next life. And that's love. <laughs> the loving relationships yeah. you have and the love you have for one another. Yeah, Kara, I hope we're neighbors. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you can take those loving relationships. You can take that love with you mm-hmm. into the next life. And that's beautiful. Yeah. So we're talking a lot about um, just his unconditional love for us. I know that's one of the other parables that Corey kind of ha- had in mind when he wrote this song. The One of them was the lost sheep, which we talked about. But the other one was the prodigal son. So both of those are found in Luke 15. Um, but his, you know, even just looking at his lyrics, like, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Like that to me resonates with that parable mm-hmm. because, I mean, even the scripture says like, he wanted half of his inheritance. And I think that it, the actual translation, is it says that he could give, um, actually, it says he divided his living between them, between his sons. But the actual translation could be he divided himself. Like he's giving half of himself to his sons. And so it says, you know, still you, you give yourself away. So this father has given half of himself to his son and his son goes and squanders all of it mm-hmm. and it says you chase me down like he sees him far off when he's co- when he's returning home and he runs to him and i feel like that is just such this beautiful image to reflect on in scripture but i think in the song itself it's like okay can you just picture that we don't deserve any part of god's love any part of his mercy and his grace and yet he gives it to us freely yeah like that is the story of our redemption throughout mm-hmm. all of salvation history we keep messing up, mm-hmm. but he gives us himself and he gives us these beautiful gifts so freely. It's interesting that you point out with the prodigal son, he asked for what would have been his. Right. It legitimately would have been his. It was his inheritance. He asked for it in his own time, you know, on his terms. And if you think about how the song started, which we noted uh, in creation, mm-hmm. That's also how it was in the garden. Mm-hmm. What does Satan say? You will be as gods. Right. Yes. They want it Do it own. according to God's mm-hmm. plan. And so they they get that inheritance, if you will. They know the good and evil, but not the way God intended. Right. And what happens, that whole process of squandering and, and falling short and, you know, mm-hmm. eating slop with the pigs. Right. And then... The father still receives them mm-hmm. with love and celebration. Right. You know, in a way, the prodigal son is the story of scripture. It's the story of our lives too, but it, it's it's the story of scripture as well and our redemption and God's recklessness mm-hmm. and his love for us. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about kind of, um, if you're okay with this, Fred, kind of a little bit what I had heard and wrote about in my journal, which was relating mm-hmm. reckless love and the lyrics of it to the Eucharist. Yeah. No, Um, please do. Okay. So I just want you guys to, I'm going to read, I'm going to read some of the lyrics and I want you to hear them in light of the Eucharist, in light of communion. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. So when I uh, heard that and was just singing along with it, like that came to my mind that the Eucharist is a never-ending sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And we all know like it's not him being re-sacrificed, but it's bringing that sacrifice and bringing us into that moment 
for all of time. You know, that never ending reckless love of God is found in the Eucharist. And how reckless was it, let alone to let yourself be killed on a cross, but now to let yourself become bread? Mm-hmm. Like that is so reckless. Right, yeah. For God to become bread. I think it's in, um, is it first Philippians? It's, it's in Philippians 2. Yeah. Philippians 2. Um, where first Philippians says there's not two books of Philippians. <laughs> Come on, Kara, what am I doing? <laughs> Philippians two, <laughs> um, where it's the kenosis, the self emptying. And it says, Jesus Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. So God empties himself, taking the form of Jesus. He humbles himself to die on a cross, but he takes it even a step further and humbles himself in obedience, taking the form of bread, not just man, but of bread for all of time, Hmm. right? Becoming bread for us. Because I mean, when I say for all of time, like if you look back in the old Testament, like that's typology, look at the bread and the bread throughout all of salvation history picks up meaning, right? So it is this never ending love that he gives to us and we do not deserve it. Mm -hmm. We really don't. I mean, how often, like the last time you went to communion, can you express it as overwhelming? Because I can't. The last time I went to communion, I had two pews to walk where I'm like, ah, I'm going to communion. All right, here's Jesus. Because I'm like wrangling kids and I'm like trying to put up the kneeler and move my diaper bag. And like there's a lot of just like physical human things that are happening and taking my attention away. So no, receiving the Eucharist was not this overwhelming feeling. There have been moments where Mm -hmm. where communion has absolutely overwhelmed me and like I've cried. And I love those moments because it's the feeling mm-hmm. of what you know to be true in your heart and in your mind. Mm-hmm. But not every time. But right. when you associate that word, like the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God, it should overwhelm us when we receive the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And even just the knowledge of it should. Yes. I mean, at mass, all of heaven is present. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's incredible to think about. Yeah. I think it was a couple weekends ago. Um, there was a girl who was crying or she looked like she had tears in her eyes and she was coming up for communion. And Clara asked, um, mom, why is she crying? Mm -hmm. And I don't know why she was crying, but it was a really good reminder for me to be like, maybe she's crying because she's so moved Mm -hmm. that she's receiving the God of the universe. And it was a really good teaching moment that I was able to talk to Clara. Well, she's receiving God. Isn't that so beautiful? Maybe mm-hmm. she's crying because she's receiving God, you know? So, I mean, even a child like can kind of pick up on how we should be moved right. when we get to receive God. Yeah. Kara, yeah. what do you think are some things <clears throat> that we would like listeners to take from this discussion? Well, just talking about the Eucharist. <laughs> um, I think I would challenge people when they receive the Eucharist to let themselves be overwhelmed and mm-hmm. so moved and see it as love itself. Right. Like, like that is the greatest act of love to want to not only be within you, but to be one with you because mm-hmm. that's what the Eucharist does. It makes us one with God. And I don't think I ever really thought of it like that. It was like, Oh, he's, he's within me. It's like, no, he wants to be one, one with you. Yeah. Um, so to let, let that 
act of love that we get to receive on a daily basis if we choose to to overwhelm you right that would be probably one thing yeah i love looking at like the hubble space <laughs> pictures Kara. you know the of the universe and things mm-hmm. like that yeah it's incredible to think the person that created all of that is living inside me right now yeah you know in communion uh, yeah so maybe maybe reflect on that of what what it is you're receiving mm-hmm. who it is better body blood soul and divinity there he is you know it's that's that's overwhelming yeah it is <laughs> the overwhelming yeah. love of god you know i think i would challenge people too in their relationship with god to see it as such a personal thing um i think it was at saint Teresa of avila who said uh in her conversation with Christ where he said, I would create the entire world just to hear you say you love, just me. to hear you say you yeah. love me. And mm-hmm. I think, um, the same can be said for the cross. Like he would endure the cross for you just to hear you say that you love me. Like that is such a personal, personal thing. And like, when you think about that, like him allowing himself to go to the cross is an image of recklessness. I think Paul even talks about it. He says it's a folly for Jews, a stumbling mm-hmm. or a stumbling block for Jews, a folly to Gentiles. Like to have a God and worship a God that would let himself be crucified is a joke. Yeah. And so it was reckless to even be like, oh, Christianity is going to spread worshiping a God that was crucified by our enemies. Like that alone is reckless. But if you think about it in such this personal way, imagine if he let himself be crucified just so the good thief could go to heaven. Yeah, yeah. Like, if he had not been on the cross next to the good thief, Mm -hmm. who says, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he would not have had a chance to repent at the end of his life. Mm -hmm. So imagine, like, the only reason he he was so reckless and allowed himself to be crucified was for the good thief. Mm -hmm. All of us should be able to say that. The only reason he allowed himself to be crucified was for me. He he loves you, but he's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm his favorite. Yeah, he loves you, but I'm his favorite. We should all be able to say that. That's true of everyone, you know, especially, I I mean, exactly, Mary, especially, of course. (laughs) Mary, I guess, is his favorite. We're we're not, like, that level of favorite. But I I don't know, maybe there's a challenge in that, too. When you receive the Eucharist, hear him say to you, I love you. Mm -hmm. I love you this much. Right. This is how much I love you. I gave myself for you. I love you. Every time you hear the Eucharist, Kara, I, I gave a... Eat the Eucharist. Hear the Eucharist. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> make me sound I smart. I make you sound I'm smart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I gave a, given a talk uh, over the weekend uh, for sponsors, and I asked the question, how has your encounter with Christ and the Eucharist changed your life? Mm-hmm. And there was one person that kind of struggled with an answer to that question and longtime Catholic, but said, you know, we need people in our lives to tell us the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And I and I just, I told the story you told at the beginning of this episode about everyone being moved to tears. Mm-hmm. It, it was a, a simple testimony of just someone that, how saddened they were when they couldn't receive communion during the pandemic, yeah. when the churches were closed, moved everybody to tears. And I think that... There's a reality in in this, too, that you have to take some time to reflect on that question because you need an answer for that Mm -hmm. yourself. Kara can't give you the answer to that question. I can't give you the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. You need to find it in your heart, in your time in prayer with the Lord. How has your encounter 
with Christ in the Eucharist, which is ultimately his love. In fact, it's his love, the Holy Spirit, the love between the Father and the Son that turns an ordinarily piece of bread Mm -hmm. into Christ himself. How has your encounter with that love changed your life? Right. It should. Because it should. Mm -hmm. Because it should, and it has to. So reflect on that. And reflect on, is God personal? Like, is his love for you personal? Because we can sit here and be like, God died for you. He loves you. And you might hear it and think it's like a collective you. But we're talking about you. You. Your name. Like, Mm -hmm. he died for you. Yeah. And so ask yourself, like, do I believe that? And is that what my relationship with him reflects? Because it should. Because it should. Amen.